The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday afternoon. We're here until 3 o'clock. Then it is our coverage of Rangers Islanders, the stadium series. They meet, as you heard, for the first time this year. Don LaGreca will anchor our coverage at 3 o'clock. And for those of you who want to hear the Islanders coverage, you can hear that on our sister station, 1050 ESPN. Uh, for those of you online, hang with me. We'll get back to our conversation about the slam dunk contest and the NBA weekend overall. Uh, and by the way, you can hear the NBA All-Star Game here on 98.7 ESPN following our coverage of Rangers Islanders tonight on 98.7. My guest, my next guest is a good friend. We haven't had a chance to chat in a while. He does a great job with the uh, Black Fives Foundation. It's a group that researches the many players and teams that played basketball before the inception of what we now call the NBA. Uh, Claude Johnson is his name. Claude, Larry Hardesty here in New York. Good to talk to you again, my friend. How have you been? Hey, Larry. Really good to be back on with you, and uh, I've been great. And how have you been, sir? I've been great, thank you. And I was shocked because I was chatting with um, uh, Ray Santiago, who informed me that now your son was, I know he was busy the last time we talked, okay, but uh, East-West Shrine game, Claude? I mean, come on now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there's there's three of them, and and all three have uh, have definitely evolved since the last, probably since the last time we talked. You know, my 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 oldest, uh, he won, he played football at University of San Diego, and he was a cornerback there, and he won four conference titles. And then um, he now has transitioned into a professional career in public relations. So he's working in Harlem, actually. Uh, sorry, living in Harlem, working in New York City uh, for a firm called DKC Sports, which is one of the leading public relations companies there. And then my youngest, he's, uh, he's uh, in his first year as a point guard at the United States Naval Academy. And so that's what, that's what he's up to in his first year doing that. And then my middle son, who you're talking about, uh, he just finished at the University of Michigan. He was a wide receiver there, and uh, they won the national title, and he was invited to the, the Shrine Bowl and also to the Combine. So right now he's training uh, for, the, uh, for the Combine uh, literally as we speak. So um, a lot has happened, man. It's a lot has happened, surreal, wow. To be honest with you. Yeah. No question about yeah, it. I'm very grateful and a lot of blessings for sure. No question about it. And you should be commended, you and your family. It's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy. Claude, let's yeah, let's thank give you. Thank you. let's yes, let's sir. give our audience a little background for those who aren't familiar about what you do with the Black Fives Foundation. Right. So the Black Fives Foundation, our mission is to inspire excellence through and by preserving uh, and uh, teaching and honoring the pre-NBA history of African Americans in basketball. And so what that means is uh, fighting for the proper recognition of pioneers uh, like the New York Rens and, and others who were forgotten. Um, and I'll give you an example. So, you know, the, the Rens, just looking at them, it's their 100th anniversary. 100 years ago, they started in 1923. Um, and 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 they. What's interesting about them is, for the next 25 years, right? They played an average of 125 games a season, and they won about 85 percent of the time, which is like an NBA team winning 70 games a season for 25 years in a row, right? But yet, there's nothing in New York City 
that even offers any 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 uh, proof that they existed. So what we're doing is we're trying to make sure that there are, you know, that's part of our mission to preserve and and teach and honor. Um, so we we we're working on a project to do a court repainting hmm. um, to honor uh, their, their not only their hundredth anniversary but that team. And we're also working on another project, which would be uh, a walk of fame uh, to honor the, the, the New York Red Stars, like John Isaacs and others that we know, or that we knew, um, and a, co- a commemorative bench and a historical marker right there at the corner uh, of 100, West 138th and 7th, mm. which was Adam Clayton Powell. Um, you know, in New York City, for those who haven't been there, in Harlem and elsewhere, there are boulevards like Broadway and then Adam Clayton Powell. And in the middle, there's a median strip. And that median strip is called a pedestrian sanctuary. But it, it just so happens that on that corner, there's nothing there. There's just a flat space. So it's a perfect opportunity to put a beautiful commemorative bench with some kind of contemplative uh, uh, you know, information and a historical marker and a, a way for people who are walking from Driver's Row, which is on the other side of Adam Clayton Powell, over to where the where the uh, uh, Renaissance Ballroom, where the New York Rens used to play. You know, when they're walking over, you have to cross over that little median area, and so that's a perfect opportunity to celebrate and honor uh, this this historic team that really did more than just pave the way. They actually shaped basketball the, the way we know and love it today. And, Claude, that's right where I wanted to go. Claude Johnson is my guest from the Black Fives Foundation. This is the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. We talk about these great teams. We talk about these great players. And can we, through your research, can you see how they directly affected what we see on the court today? Well, yeah. I mean, so you have to look back at the uh, history of when the New York Reds started, and, and other teams, other all-black teams, when they started touring around the country, um, they would, you, you have to ask, well, how, how is it that they, uh, an all-black team, would travel to an all-white state at the time, let's say, like Wisconsin, to an all-white town like Oshkosh, um, during the middle of the Great Depression, during the middle of Jim Crow, and beat that local team and then leave safely and get invited back again and again, year after year. Uh, well, how did that happen? Why was that possible? What does that tell us? And so, you know, in doing the research, we, we know that one of the reasons is, is that when the Wrens came to town, the people from miles around would have something to do. They would come from miles around and then they would spend money on the merchants, the saloons, the restaurants, the, you know, the, the whatever else, the hotels that, that were there. And so they were really like a traveling mobile economic stimulus. And that's why towns wanted them to come in, right? But nobody was going to come to that game if it was just a blowout. Um, so the, it, it meant that the local, the local uh, townspeople had to get better at playing basketball, right? Because otherwise it wouldn't be interesting. And so the Wrens, when they came to town, they forced, and they forced local uh, basketball to get better. And and that is actually a direct result or a direct impact on the popularity of the game in places like Montana and uh, Seattle and, you know, the 
East and the West and the Midwest and even in the South when they would go down there to play against HBCU games, HBCU uh, teams. So the direct result is the popularity of the sport helped make it possible for a league like the NBA when they were formed by the merger in 1949 between the Basketball Association of America and the National Basketball League uh, to um, allow them to even exist in the first place. And so that's the direct impact. And people just think, oh, well, they, they kind of broke the ceiling, broke the barrier, whatever, you know, paved the way. But it wasn't just that they paved the way. They shaped, they shaped the game. They shaped the popularity of the game uh, as, as far back as from the 1920s on. Claude Johnson is my guest. Claude, it, it's it's fascinating. You talk about uh, the New York Rens, and you know we've always had this conversation about people thinking about the Harlem Globetrotters were in New York, but they actually started in Chicago. Um, right. That Harlem Rens team. We look at the Lakers as one of the great teams ever. The the Jerry West Lakers with Will Chamberlain, that team that won 33 consecutive games. But I mean, Claude, that's not even close to the record, is it? <laughs> No, I mean, in 1933, during the 32-33 season, the New York Rens won 88 straight games in a row, and they did it in 86 days, right? So you can do the math to realize that they must have played more than one game on several occasions, you know? And so, you know, we, we were, I became friends with John Isaacs, who played on that 1939 uh, team that was uh, the world championship team. It, so, you know, Teams were going around. Everybody was going around saying we're world champions. And uh, in 1939, the Chicago Herald American newspaper said, "Okay, let's settle this and have a world championship of professional basketball." Where they invited the 12 best pro teams. One of them was the Rens. Another one was the Harlem Globetrotters, and and 10 others. And uh, the New York Rens won that game and won that championship. And so from then on, it was known that black basketball is here to stay. I mean, black communities already knew that, but at that point, it was really okay. What are we, what are we doing here with with the sport, and and you know where is this going? And um, and it really helped evolve. Uh, it, it helped evolve the game, but also, you know, these stars were already were already playing, and uh, they were already they were already there. So, so for for us, you know, our mission really is to make sure that that the awareness of this history continues. And that uh, we we make sure that you know we teach that and to inspire excellence through that. And Claude, in the couple of minutes we have left, you also have an online museum. Can you talk to folks about that and what they can find if they go online to see what's in there? Yeah, so uh, we have a great partnership with Puma, and Puma sponsors our online museum, and um, you can go you can go there to. Uh, look at some different uh, exhibitions that we have because because over the years we've collected what we believe is the largest archive of historical artifacts from this period and um, you know that is the only way right now that we can exhibit those items and that history but we also aim eventually to have uh, an actual museum and so um, you know that would be a place where we could where we could not only house these items, but also 
where we could uh it could be a facility where people can do research and meet and have presentations and and whatnot and so you know we're we're very excited about a lot of different things that that we have going on right now Claude last thing what has been uh, the response to M- from the NBA Players Association, WNBA Players Association, the NBA as a whole in, you know, uh, helping you with the, your research and the things that you're doing with uh, the Black Fives Foundation? Well, what's interesting is, you know, people think there's the NBA, but it's really three parts. There's the league office, and then there are the teams, and then there's the union, right, the, the NBA Players Association. And we were very friendly with the Players Association. They gave us our first grant as a nonprofit that really helped us uh, continue to exist, actually, at the time. Um, and some teams have invited us. We have a really great relationship with the Nets, and uh, we're, we, we have other uh, really great activations we've done, for example, with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, the league office, I don't even know if they know we exist. I mean, we've been pitching and talking to them for years, but so far it's just crickets. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Part of it is that I think they just think maybe, you know, they didn't invent it, so it doesn't exist. Um, but the truth of the matter is, you know, they, they'll eventually have to reconcile that. And we, we're open, and we're always, you know, open arms here at the Black Fives Foundation. All right, and that's to, for folks to see. And also, you got some great memorabilia on there also that uh, – people can wear, which are, you know, throwback to some of the Rens and, and jerseys and, you know, sneakers and stuff of that nature. So that's blackfivesfoundation.com, if I remember correctly. Actually, uh, blackfives.org, B-L-A-C-K-F-I-V-E-S. Uh, okay. And then on social, we're, we're just at Black Fives. And, uh, you know, we're, we're out at the uh, NBA All-Star Game with Liz and Ebbets Field Flannels because we just launched a new uh, a new collection of uh, of gear um, that that features actually the New York Rens. So we have a, a brand new uh, uh, authentic jersey, a Rens jersey, finally that that you know from years ago that we we had at one point, but now Ebbets Field uh, has just uh, introduced uh, a version of that, and so hmm. we're very excited about that partnership. And they have a, a pop-up shop right there. If you're in if you're in <laughs> Indianapolis, you know, right downtown. Um, and so uh, if you look on our social, you'll get, probably get to, to see more of what's happening there. But, but yeah, that's, that's, we're, we're, again, we're very excited to, to have with our partners. We also have a really great partnership with the Big East Conference. Hmm. Uh, we call them the dopest conference in college basketball. Um, and what's interesting there, Larry, is we, you know, the Big East, they're really thought leaders, right? So they're among the most uh, amazing academic institutions in the world. And um, each of their 11-member schools, so the men's team and the women's team, paired up with a local African-American basketball team. So you have, for example, St. John's, that, that, or even, let's say, UConn basketball, women's basketball, that paired up with the Hartford Tigerettes, which was an all-black African-American, uh, sorry, all-black female basketball team in Hartford. And so uh, they will, you know, honor the, the, the memory and the history of that team. And so does every other team uh, in the Big East um, all throughout the month of February. And it, that's a, also a, a wonderful partnership because it, because it means that the players themselves will, all, will be educating, you know, others about, about this wonderful uh, forgotten history. 
That's excellent. One last thing, Claude. I know this is one last thing, but this is really the last thing I got to ask you. Were you at yeah, the, yeah. the event yesterday, All-Star Saturday? Did you see the dunk contest? I, You know, it's funny. I was traveling because um, I had to uh, – I'm actually back back home now. Okay. I only went out there for the Thursday and the Friday for the launch of the – of the line, but what's your what do you what what do you, what do you uh, I'm going to watch it actually later today. Well, I'm not. Then you know what? I'm not going to tell you anything. You and I will have a conversation okay. after you watch it. Okay. Because I, I, okay. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to influence you at all. So you and I will talk okay, later, yeah, and then me, we'll have a conversation. Yeah. Don't don't do don't do the spoiler. Uh, no, I'm not going to do the spoiler for, the for you. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I'm not even going to tell you who yeah. won or who was involved. I'm not even going to do that to you, Claude. I'm not going to do that to you. Okay, Pat. <laughs> okay. All right, my friend. No, Thanks thank once you. again for a couple of minutes. We'll talk soon. You're welcome. Thank you, Larry. Take care. All right, you too. Claude Johnson from the Black Fives Foundation. A little basketball spot here for Black History Month. Just wanted to give you some tidbits on what the great work that they're doing at the Black Fives Foundation. Let's go back to our topic. What can we do with the NBA All-Star Weekend? I saw some of you want to get rid of the weekend totally. I don't know that I'm ready to get rid of the whole weekend, but I am ready to do some things with the slam dunk contest. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. I've got concerns. I've got concerns about two, two of my teams. I got concerns about the Knicks and I got concerns about the New York Mets. We'll do all of that before we leave you today at three o'clock here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty show on 98.7 ESPN. So our discussion today on the Larry Hardesty Show has been fascinating when we were talking about the situation with the slam dunk contest. And some have suggested other things to replace it, like a game of horse. Uh, another caller suggested the two-on-two, like uh, KD and Kyrie against LeBron and, you know, one of, his, one of the guards, maybe uh, one of, a guard on his team. Uh, you know, then we've had, uh, you know, a whole bunch of other things. Then we've had adjustments as to opening it up and bringing it into, you know, some other folks, people that you see maybe in playgrounds or folks that are on YouTube dunkers that you see or TikTok, and they just their the creativity is just off the charts. And maybe that should be brought into All Star Weekend. And of course, with the monetary uh, addition to it, that would, you know, add more creativity. That would add, you know, better, uh, you know outcome and more entertainment than we're seeing at the dunk contest. And some have said, just get rid of it. Let's just get rid of the dunk contest. And here's where I weigh in. If you just tuned in, here's where I weigh in, weigh in. And that is very simply, I'm not ready to get rid of it, but I will be in favor of getting rid of it. If you can't improve what I saw last night. I am in favor of getting rid of it if you can't find a way to improve it. McClung was great. He was great last year. He was, he was great this year. As I mentioned, I thought his first dunk was better than the second dunk that he won with. Right, the, the one where he was going up in the air and he had grabbed the basketball, let go of it, grabbed it back, and then did a reverse dunk. I, I, I thought that was, from a creative standpoint, I thought that was excellent. And he is the back-to-back champion for a reason because he's been creative and done stuff that other people don't do. The other part of it is uh, I congratulate uh, Jalen Brown for being there as a member of the NBA who's a starter who felt the need, like I'm going out there and I'm showing what I have. 
That's a good thing. I appreciate that from him. But there are younger, and he's not an old guy, but there are younger players who were there already. How about Tyrese Maxey showing me something on the slam dunk? How about Anthony Edwards showing me something? Paolo Bontero showing me something. These are young kids. They dunk. They dunk all the time. How about, can I see something from them? Can I see some creativity from them as NBA starters? Now, I think, for me, I think that would add to it if it was an It doesn't guarantee that it's going to be creative. It doesn't guarantee that it's going to be great. doesn't guarantee that it's going to blow the roof off the building, but I think it would help. And if you're giving me, with some of the other callers I've suggested, you're giving me the NBA against the world or other dunkers or not the world, but you know, non-NBA dunkers or G League dunkers, um, I, I got something to be interested in. Okay, now I've got something. The three-point three segment is always going to be good. It's always going to be there because, as Buddha mentioned, there's so many people, and there's so many people shooting threes now. Anybody can get hot. And I enjoy seeing the Lori Markinen's there, the Carl the Anthony Towns, the big guys who shoot threes. I, I enjoy seeing that. So the three-point shooting, that, that's That's good. The, the skills, uh, okay. But the dunk contest has usually been, not for a while, but when it was started, the slam dunk contest was the main event of All-Star Weekend before the game. It was clearly the main event of All-Star Saturday night. And that has not been the case for a couple of years. Okay. Yes, as I mentioned earlier, give me, you go back to Aaron Gordon against Zach Levine in 06, I mean in 2016. Yes, a couple of years ago, uh, the Aaron, Aaron Gordon dunk contest. Yes, those loved them. But really, how many dunk contests over the past, oh, let's go back to Aaron Gordon in 2016, okay? Since Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine in 2016, how many dunk contests have we talked about the day after and said, yo, that dunk contest was crazy. How many have we had? How many? Not a lot. Not a lot. So where do you weigh in? What can we do to change it? Or do, should we just say, you know what? It doesn't mean anything for us anymore. We're done. Let's move on to something else. Let's go to the three, the two-on-two. Let's go to a game of horse. Let's go to a one-on-one. Okay, where we have a one-on-one contest. Let, what are we going to do? What, you know, I mean, what else can we do? 1-800-919-3776. I'll get your thoughts next on 987 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Say back to the phones. Uh, Nick is in Jersey. What's up, Nick? Hey, what's going on, Larry? So, it started in the 80s. It was brand new. Jordan came in. Brand new. All these guys came in. It was awesome. You can't duplicate that, ever. 
right? Like, imagine it just started in the early 2000s, the first time they decided to have a dunk contest. You would have had all those guys going absolutely crazy, right, because they wanted to show. Just like this year, how LeBron went absolutely nuts during the in-play tournament because it was the first one he wanted to win it. He literally said, I'm going to win this because I want that, right? So you're never going to duplicate the one from the 80s because it was the first time the platform was shown and we got to see these guys do it. And, of course, Jordan wanted to do it. He was still Air Jordan then, right? So, like, that will never be duplicated. This thing has been around for almost 40 years, and if we have to be honest, how many can we really say were, like, awesome or memorable? We only pull up, like, seven, right? Maybe. I don't even think it's that many. So I think that Doug Cottes is something that's going to run its course, and when you really go back and you're not looking through, like, rose-colored glasses or nostalgia, even a lot of the years, the other guys that weren't, they weren't great. The dunks weren't anything, right? Now, the times that it was kind of exciting and it perks up every seven, eight years, you get that one that was great. Gordon and Levine were high flyers. They weren't stars. They weren't starters. So you can tell they that's what they wanted to sh- That was going to be their championship that year, their NBA championship, was doing that. What's exciting is twists and, you know, half 180s, 260s, switching hands, under thighs. That stuff is exciting. That takes time and effort to practice a lot of them, right? So these other guys, and you keep saying, like, the in-game dunkers, you know, you see it. Remember, the in-game dunks are exciting because they're in the game. You're coming off a pick and roll. A guy's in your face. You slam it in their face. So even the simplest little windmill, that's not impressive in a dunk contest. A windmill through the lane with a couple guys in the area is impressive. So that, that goes to show, like, there's not much left that could be done that's why at some point the one that gets super exciting out of nowhere that's memorable are guys who practice for it, really wanted to make that thing. This guy, McClung, destroyed it last year, man. It was, that was like you, you, you couldn't believe what he was doing. Right? So what's the answer then, Nick? Are you telling me we should just get rid of it then? You're saying it's eventually going to no, run its no, course. No, no, I don't, I don't think get rid of it. I don't think get rid of it because it's too much of a just staple, right? I just think um, opening it up is not a bad idea. Making it like just show us guys who can fly, right? And then you can't do a three-on-three thing because you know how boring a three-on-three thing is unless people are going absolutely their hardest, and they're not going to do that. Like, we, we envision this uh, Kyrie Irving, LeBron, and this one against this, this, and this one. Yeah, if they're going full force, which they're not going to do because they don't want to get hurt, and they're all friends now. They've all been friends for a long time. The last time the All-Star game was really, really kind of fun, the game itself, was like the, the, the early 2000s. From, like, 2000 to 2007, 8, because those guys were, like, really still dogs. They didn't like each other at all. They didn't all have the same agents. They weren't riding banana boats in the offseason together. So, like, they really, like, went at each other hard. You're not going to duplicate that anymore. NFL literally had to do away with their game because they realized Sean Taylor, you know, rest in peace, was not lighting somebody up anymore, and people don't want to get lit up, right? So the basketball game kind of is what it is. I think they should put it on two days. I think it shouldn't be a standalone on Sunday. I don't know the, the ratings enough to know that they want to grab the whole weekend. I get that. Three-point contest will never be bad. It will never be anything. It's perfect. It's literally perfect and it will continue to be perfect because more people are getting better at it, whatever. But the dunk contest kind of is what it is. You know, Jason Richardson and Gerald Wallace, they were fun that one year, right? Gerald Wallace was a bench player, but everyone knew he could fly out the gym. It, honestly, in 40 years, it's only been good maybe six times, seven times. And the rest of it's nostalgia. And the rest of it is. So, All right, Nick, thanks for the phone call. I hear what you're saying. Uh, I still think, and I, I understand what, I understand your point about it's in-game and they're doing windmill, but 
if it's in game and they can do windmill, then you mean to tell me that they can't work on a couple of other dunks? They do dunks in practice. They do dunks and stuff in practice that, that they work on. They could do it if they wanted to. And that's why I'm saying if I see you ready to in-game dunk on somebody and then stand over that person or stare them down, then you can put a couple of more minutes and go and work on something and go and be a part of All-Star Weekend and be in the slam dunk contest. You could if you wanted to. And as a couple of the callers have mentioned, the bottom line here is there's got to be some incentive. So if the price is right and there'll be some sponsor that will want to put up money for dunking and all this other stuff, then you'll see. Wow. What did, what did uh, uh, Kenny Smith say last night? I didn't know that Jalen Brown had that kind of creativity in him. <laughs> and this wasn't even for money. Just think, if there was a sponsor that put up some money for this, as Buddha mentioned, uh, of what the WWE has, the ladder, the ladder match with the, with the suitcase full of money at the top of the arena, and if you could go, you beat an opponent, you climb the ladder and go up and get the money, then the ladder match, and then you get the chance with that money to have a championship. Oh, it's, it, and you mentioned it too. It's the incentive. And that's what's missing from there. There's no incentive for them to do it. There's no incentive for them to come out to show they're the best for that dunk. No, there's not. And that's why you don't see the NBA players be so involved in doing it. It's true. That's why you don't see it. Uh, Craig's in Morganville. What's up, Craig? Hey, guys. How you doing? I I, I think the slam dunk, I, I think even the creativity, I think we've seen it all. The, the one that, that, that guy McCollum did the, uh, the, the pass to himself. Do they judge it watching the slow motion, those judges no, on the court they before don't. they make a decision? Uh-uh. They then judge it in regular time. The, then I don't think they, they get to see the full, even the creativity, if there is a slight difference. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Jordan, Dr. J, Spud Webb, those guys, yeah, those were dunks. We didn't see that stuff, but we've seen it all now. I, I, they have to do something else. I, I don't think there's anything there. And if they do keep it, I think the judges have to see the, the replay, the slow-mo before they judge. That's a point, I think Greg. that really determines. Yeah, it could be. Thanks for the phone call. That's a point, that they need to look at it again. And maybe they do. I, I was under the impression that they go by the original, but maybe they do see a replay before they put up uh, their their points to see if there's something there. So uh, if, if they don't do it, they should, because I think it would... Uh, help with the with the scoring, uh, but I I will say this, I agree with them, and I might be wrong, but I do agree with them that if you don't make it at least for me, if you don't make it on the first two, then I gotta I gotta take some points away. Depending on the degree of difficulty, if you don't make it on the first two, I I can't sit there and wait for you to come up with it and miss it. You know, and then I'm just gonna penalize you. It looked to me last night that they penalized the performers for doing it if they missed the first one. That they took, you know, I don't know, a tenth of a point or whatever. Individually, it looked like they took some points away from folks if they missed their first one. Uh, Jerome's in East Orange. What's up, Jerome? Good afternoon. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. What's up? Good. I enjoyed that interview with about the Harlem Rins. Hey, listen. Thank so, you. Um, the money in cash, on hand, I'm sure we can get some of these bet- online betting companies to put up $5 million, $10 million in cash on hand for the winner, right? Number two, we have to embrace the nostalgia. 
right? Very hard to be creative at this point. Guys are bigger, stronger, faster. Let's do some of those dunks in the past and compare them, you know, to the people that did those dunks, right? But with a new flair. You know, we don't have to do everything new. You know, we could do some of those dunks from the past, but like I said, guys are more athletic now. Let them do those dunks. And another thing, we got to take the voting out of these guys' hands. Let the fans do the voting by phone. Let us pick the winner because one of the things that turned me off last night was the voting. And we got to take it out of those guys' hands. Let the fans vote, and I'm sure it'll bring it back. All right, Jerome, thanks for the phone call. I don't know logistically how quick uh, you could do that fan voting uh, by phone and have all the all of it tabulated and know what's happening. I, I don't know the logistics of that. I'm sure it could be done, uh, but that that's interesting thing. Going back, I mean, I think Jalen Brown, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think he tried to do a his version of one of the dunks Dominique Wilkins did originally. That's why the young man came out in the Dominique Wilkins Atlanta Hawks jersey. Uh, so I think his first in the preliminary round, I think he was trying to play to to do a dunk that Dominique did many years ago. Uh, I could see that being the basis of it. And then you add your personal flair to it, Jerome. I could see that. I don't know that I want it exactly the same, even because then it's like, well, you know, but this one did that. Well, what did we see? Take it off from the free throw line. Uh, one of Rick Barry's kids did it years ago. It was like, whoa, well, Dr. J did that. And he, he you know, then it was, well, how far was he? Was he at the, was he at the free throw line? Was it the top of the circle? Was it, so then it gets, you know, it gets micro created even more. So it's, it's, something's got to change with it. That's all I know. Something has to change with it. Uh, Omar's in Queens. Omar, you're next on 98.7. Hey, uh, listen, I'll tell you what's got to change. Just remove it out of the whole thought break completely, man. I okay. mean, I, I, at this point, I'll just watch it for laughs, you know, just to get giggles. It's just, they need to do something else. And, you know, to bring up your point about uh, the superstars, and, you know, we need more superstars in the dunk contest, you know, I don't know how that will work today because, I mean, if you look at, what, the top five, top seven superstars today, I mean, how, how many of those guys are high flyers? So I mean, the Curry, Curry's not a high flyer. You know, SGA, Luka, you know, uh, Joker, they're not high flyers. So I, I don't think, you know, Bringing superstars is not just going to make it any better. Well, what I said, I, I, I didn't say superstars, Omar. I said starters, star, starting stars. Like, for example, uh, uh, Anthony Edwards was there. Anthony Edwards could have done it. Pochero was there from Orlando. He could have done it. Uh, you had guys who already did it. Tyrese Maxey's a starter. He's already there. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I didn't mean superstars, if you, uh, you misunderstood me. I meant players who okay. were named players in the NBA. And I said at the time, and thanks for the phone call, Omar, and your thoughts. Like I said, I, there's no disrespect to Jacob Toppin. He's an NBA player. Okay? But people don't know, don't know him. And so not only are you trying to draw more interest in it, but you're trying to draw more interest in a person that you would expect. Okay. You're hoping as one of the starters or, or, or rotation guys or bench players or whatever in the NBA, that would be creative enough to get your attention to it. Okay. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for. And then hopefully that, you know, do the work to, to, you know, not embarrass yourself. Do the work to go out there and perform. Do the work to show that you are one of the top dunkers in the NBA. 
that's what I would expect. That's what I'm looking for. And, you know, I, that's why I gave uh, Jalen Brown so many props last night because at least he was a name that I recognized. Now, I'm not saying his dunks were the greatest. He got to the final round. I'm not saying they were the greatest, but at least, okay, I know who this is. I can see somebody. I, I know who it is. So if you're going to give me to merge uh, some of the ideas that we've had so far, if you were to merge uh, slam dunkers that you see on TikTok and YouTube and give me the five best of those and the five best of the NBA dunkers and we whittle it down and then in the finals we see one-on-one, then I'm, I'm looking for something like that where I've got some new creativity. I've got something else. I, you bring McClung back. He could be as part of it. I have no problem with that. But the way it is from what I saw last night, it can't continue. It cannot continue. It cannot continue in that way. You might as well just get rid of it because it, it's, it's, it's not that great. More of your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. The Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. You know, we have an upset alert, folks. Uh, women's college basketball. Georgia has a seven-point lead at the half over undefeated South Carolina. And the seven-point deficit for Georgia is the most they've had, the ladies have had all season. They average victory. Uh, deficit is 33 points. They beat teams on an average of 33 points or more. So uh, that's probably interesting halftime room <laughs> right now from the coaches yelling and screaming and trying to get everybody back on point. So that should be an interesting one. 1-800-919-3776. Bobby's in Belmore. What's up, Bobby? Yeah, hi, Larry. How are you? Good. Um, I, I remember 1984, 31st NBA dunk contest 40 years ago that Dr. J was performing. I came in second behind Larry Nance, 34-year-old Dr. J, because he wanted to please the fans even though he was beyond his prime at that time. I know he won championship the year before that, but he was at the end of his career. Now, fast forward to uh, 2004 when LeBron James you know, came into the league. Could not even go, could not even perform into the dunk contest as a young player. Didn't want to enter. And, you know, I think that's what started everything with, with the uh, all-star players not attending. Mm-hmm. after. Because Vince Carter, I believe, was the last one in 2000 to win it. So, I mean, you can blame, well, I'm not saying, well, Bon James is the second greatest player of all time. But he started the big three, you know, free agency, you know, with the Miami fiasco. And he wanted to, you know, and to take the easy way, easy way out. And I think it was a shame that he didn't perform, you know, as a rookie or a second year player like Kobe did, you know, at least perform in one dunk contest. He couldn't even perform in any dunk contest. It's an interesting point, Bobby. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. Thanks for the phone call. I know that I saw um, Stephen A. on his YouTube show had some, I saw that as a topic. I have not seen his comments on it, but I saw that that's a topic too. And some will point to that. Some have pointed to that previously. Why can't we get LeBron James to be? There's been a number of folks who have criticized him for not being involved in the dunk contest in his years in the NBA. Uh, So, you know, that could be part of it. Uh, and I'm not really sure why he didn't, uh, because I mean, you know, he's maybe he felt he didn't have to, maybe he felt he didn't want to, maybe he felt his creativity. I don't know, but for whatever reason, he didn't, and that could be a reason why people haven't done it. But 
I just think on the other side of that, Bobby, it's it's the folks like the Aaron Gordons and the Zach Levines and the Richardsons and the other players who have performed, who have taken that challenge, who have gone out there and done something. And it's memorable. I mean, I'm not saying that, and I'm not trying to make it like, you know, as one of the callers said, every slam dunk contest has been tremendous. There's, there's been some bad ones, even in the good years, even in the years that we've expected. Because it's constantly compared to what you did previously, right? It's constantly compared to that. So even we go back to, you know, Cedric Sabalas, who uh, back in the day had a blindfold and did a dunk. And people said, well, he could really see through the blindfold or something like that. But, you know, at that time, it was something we hadn't seen before. You know, so I, the NBA, and you heard uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver in one of our updates. You heard him say that we had to make changes in the game because after last year, it, was, it wasn't credible. And that's why they went back to not halves but four quarters, east versus west, to try to at least fake <laughs> some competition and, and seriousness about winning in the fourth quarter and not have a 199-198 game or not have a 175-174 game, to you know, go back to the way it was in All-Star games where, yeah, we know we didn't really play hard, and yeah, we know we are friends, and yeah, we understand that, but, but fourth quarter, East versus West, all right, this is what we're doing. We, we want the East to win this year. We want the West to win this year. So we'll see if it works out. And if they have realized that, then they can realize what's going on with the NBA dunk contest and either try to do something better or get rid of it. Uh, Mark is in brick. Mark, you're next on 98.7. I'm Mark is in brick. Mark? Um, um, so I'm going to the stadium series now. And, and how will Blake Wheeler injury affect the their season and are you a Ranger fan Mark? Yeah. All right. So what do you think, what do you think is going to happen today? What, what are you expecting? Uh, what are you expecting um, is, is going to happen in this game today? Very physical. Mm-hmm. Um, there's going to, there's going to be some fights and hopefully a high scoring game. All right, Mark. Well, you enjoy the game. Thanks for the phone call. Mark, of course, headed to the stadium series. You can hear that right here on 98.7 ESPN pregame at 3 o'clock with Don LaGreca. He'll anchor our coverage here on 98.7. We'll have the Ranger broadcast for the Islander fans. Uh, we'll have the Islander broadcast on 1050 ESPN. So we got you covered. And following that, we'll take you right into the NBA All-Star game that will take place tonight. So we will find out what exactly is going to, if indeed, this, these adjustments, these changes that the NBA has talked about, uh, if that they're going to be available and, and make a difference in the game tonight. We'll talk more about this on the other side, but I got to tell you this. I'm very concerned about my New York Knicks. And I want to hear from you, Knicks fans, at 1-800-919-3776. And now, am I, I am logical enough to understand that they could not continue to play the way they played with the amount of injuries that they've suffered. That's clear. I get that. The question now becomes, what will they be able to do? 
how will they be able to play? What will they be able to do to hold on until the end of next month at the earliest before we see OG Ananobi and Julius Randle? Okay, what will they be able to do? How can they, when looking at the schedule, can they at least get back to being a a competitive basketball team? And we talk about all the minutes that people are playing, and we understand that because of you know a lack of availability of the folks that you have, and and other reserves because of increased minutes have now suffered injuries as well. So hopefully during this time, folks have gotten better, folks have gotten healthy. But can they be okay? Can they weather the storm until Randall and OG Ananobi come back? I want to get your thoughts about that next. Plus, we'll talk a little baseball next hour as well. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.